Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. Okay, and we're live. Oh, did the music already stop playing? That the the music stopped playing. It's edited in afterwards. Well, okay. you know, this for the people, in my head, but not, I thought in my I thought I explained to you already before we went live, Terry, that <laughs> <laughs> that later we will have an intro with a cool podcast graphic, but the graphic's not ready. Okay. That later when when we do the audio portion, they're gonna hear your sexy voice on the outro right, and my so, sexy voice on the intro. So we're not gonna hear right now. Well, morning it's Sunday and it's time for the rotation at ten thirty. Welcome. <laughs> you can say that. Go ahead and say it. I think I already did. Uh, I, I wasn't paying attention. My phone went off. Good morning. It's <laughs> Sunday and time for the rotation. So are we on Facebook Live too? We're on Facebook Live and we're on YouTube Live. But not that other something hub. No, no Pornhub for Gary. I'm sorry, Gary. Apparently Pornhub has been uh, really hurting our female population, Gary. So maybe we shouldn't talk about Pornhub. Well, I, was, I thought it was you who wanted to be on. No, <laughs> no we, we, I was explaining to Kano, we have a little thing with our Twitter account. Our Twitter was taken down a long time ago because of spam. And uh, apparently they were saying we we're spamming people. And uh, now I think we need to start a new Twitter account if we want to go live on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Oh, also, also the Spanish version of the rotation, La Rotación en Español, oh, will not be coming on today. But your pronunciation <laughs> is getting better. It's good. I, well, I am a Hispanic. <laughs> White Hispanic. So yo, uh, next week, Yoshi is going to be sitting where I'm sitting, and then she's going to do her Spanish version of the show next week because Thank I'm going to be taking a week off because I can't talk to Gary anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it, it is Sunday, October the uh, what fourth? Yes. And uh, I, I would be amiss to not say that. Uh, we do have a, a president in the hospital right now, and beyond politics, of course, we always wish the, the first family a, a, a swift recovery, along with everybody else who has gotten this virus. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to pay a little bit more attention to what has, it is essentially an existential threat to the United States right now. Not everybody gets it, but those who do get very sick. And so therefore, we wish everybody who has gotten it a healthy recovery. Now mm -hmm. that said, <laughs> of course, a lot of the people in this show will, will ask, well, doesn't cannabis treat it? Not really. Uh, it, it, I mean, it makes it a lot easier to be uh, stuck in the house for a long period of time. And well, that, what about all those articles that came out saying that, like, because of its help with inflammation or whatever? It, it could... does help symptomatically. It just doesn't get the virus out of your body. So okay. It stops attacking it. So, so, so I see what you're saying. It helps treat it, but yes. it doesn't help cure it. Absolutely. It, it makes it a lot easier. I understand to deal that. With. <laughs> because one of, the, one of the biggest problems, of course, is inflammation throughout the body. And one of the best anti inflammatories we have out there are the cannabinoids. So, one of the best things for Trump to do right now is really to smoke weed. 
I think that uh, they don't necessarily allow uh, pre-rolls into Walter Reed Me uh, Medical Center. I've been there. It's been, it is a giant house of red tape, but it's a very interesting place and it's an excellent place to be uh, convalescing. But they don't allow pre-rolls. You know, when I picture Trump being sick with the coronavirus, I picture him in like the Lincoln bedroom of the White House and like all these doctors around him and whatnot. And like, I don't know, I, I've, I get these stories about like, what was it like Kennedy smoking joints in the White House and whatnot. I just figured that he had him... Addison's disease, though. He had a lot of pain he had to deal with and, and back problems and things of that sort. So I think and then they were constantly shooting him with cortisone shots in his back all the time. Really? Which is why he had a big puffy face some days. Big, but, uh, big old puffy face. I thought I, that I was think just Kennedy a would have definitely done family thing. Better. No, he didn't do too bad with the, with the exception of that one time in Dallas. Oh, that that he got shot. Yeah, that 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 kind of like really screwed up his health. A it's lot. probably worse than the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, so <I'd> say so. <laughs> but for anybody who's institutionalized, that is an issue that uh, <clears throat> you are. They don't necessarily allow you to have your medicine there. In yeah. fact, in uh, assisted living facilities and things of that sort, if you had somebody who was on regular. Uh, Medication using par using cannabis for Parkinson's or some of the other things it does very well for. They do have the right in many instances to take away your medicine right now, mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons that we at Normal are still pushing through a bill, which is a patient protection bill that does two basic things. Number one, it prevents people, uh, once they're institutionalized, from having their medicine taken away by saying it is essential part of your medication. And also, if you are on the transplant list, they can't take you off the transplant list for having a medical card. I think it's so, so important for the health and possibly even the mortality of some of the people out there to be able to keep the medicine that is working for them. I scream about it all the time, Gary. Like, uh, you know, we have a constitutional right in Florida to this medicine. And uh, there's so many people that can take your as a business owner, I can take away my employees' constitutional right to their medicine by saying you're not allowed to work here anymore if you're going to use marijuana to medicate yeah, that's an employee rights situation, which is another bill, but that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, by the way, will be paying for my employees' medical marijuana cards, not the other way around, not forcing them not to have them. Wow. Yeah. Do you yeah. that, employers? Pay for your employees' medical cannabis cards, and they will be eternally a much better worker. It, it's better than health benefits. Well, it is a health benefit. <laughs> I think uh, Chillum Glass Gallery and CBD Dispensary will be in uh, Tampa Bay's best places to work uh, with that policy. <laughs> all right, so we started We started off the show. I, I did all these cool graphics about, like, the first time we got stoned and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, so. We've got graphics for this? Yeah, we got, like, I've, I'm trying to do, like, you know. Like, was, like more wording on the screen. I was going to say, the, the first time I smoked, I didn't think there were any p camera phones around, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, no picture, they, please. They made a princess phone in the room at the time. <laughs> Attached to the wall with a four-pronged plug. So, so like, how are we going to do this? Are we, like, all going to just, like, take the mic and tell our stories about the first time we smoked weed? Well, or? let's go alphabetically. Uh, since, Carlos, you are both before Chris on that, so go ahead. All right. Stein doesn't come before Hermita? Uh, Carlos always comes before Christopher, who always comes before Gary. Okay. So. We're the, on a first-name basis here. The first time I smoked weed, guys, check this out. Right. I'm kind of a, a man of privilege, you know, uh, and what I what I mean of that is, you know, I've got two great parents that spent a lot of time trying to educate me and show me the arts. Right. 
and uh every you know they had season tickets to the theater down down in south florida and uh i got to the age where like i was too cool to go to the theater with my parents i don't want to see that nerdy stuff and <laughs> uh what it got to the point where they started going without me and one weekend my friends from the trailer park next door uh came on by and i remember the weed they had the weed they had was like this brown shake dime bag like this horrible dried stuff and uh, you know it was like 10 people and like a little nickel bag of weed and we smoked it and I got like really stoned and I remember like growing up in South Florida a lot of us like did like drag racing and so like all when this happened there were a bunch of like drag racing cars little rice burner cars in in the front front of my car in the front of my house and uh you know my parents were coming back from the show pretty soon i remember all these like racing cars racing off and like i just wanted somebody to take me to wendy's and come right back home and nobody wanted to do it and i was standing in my driveway looking so depressed because like everybody was leaving me wow <laughs> you said you're a man of privilege it sounds like you're more like a man of constant sorrow man of constant sorrow <laughs> maybe after a while i got jaded because nobody wanted to take me to wendy's man i'm sorry did i bum everybody out i bummed wendy's, everybody well, out I, with my story wendy's with my first now. time Good. smoking weed i look at that story with like such love and and admiration and whatnot but like like but i guess it's a my first time smoking weed's depressing no it sounds wonderful can you remember the first time you smoked weed? I do. <laughs> I remember the first time that, that it was offered to me, too. It was actually at Driver's Ed uh, in 1973. And in 1971, Chevy Malibu, uh, we got onto what is called the range. When That's when they actually had driving license for kids. They were actually part of the schooling. They were actually part of the curriculum. So you didn't have to go out and buy lessons or have your, have your mom or dad take you out. And we had what was called the range, just where they had a bunch of cones in the middle of the drive parking lot, and you had to drive around them doing, you know, figure eights backwards and that kind of thing. And we got in, everybody was like two or three to a car, you know, and you had the extra uh, brake on the right-hand side for the other person to stop you in case you're getting ready to go through a wall or whatever. And the guy uh, to the right of me uh, reaches into his pocket and takes out a bright yellow joint that he had prepared just to be able to go to driver's ed at high school. And of course that kind of freaked everybody out, including myself who was driving at the time. And he asked me if I wanted to hit because I would be a much better driver according to him. <laughs> and I, I, I uh, right. very nicely said, said no. And that was my, my, my first actual experience of having it shoved in my face and saying, here, try this. But at that point in time, being this kind of the fact that we were actually in high school at the time, in the, the driver's ed class at the time, I didn't think it was the best idea. Well, I, I think actually you may have gotten a good, a better grade if you would have smoked it. How does that, like, we didn't have driver's ed in high school. Like, is the teacher in the car with you? No, actually, for the, for the range. The I had driver's ed. So. <laughs> you had driver's ed? Yeah, but I went to an old high school, so we still had a driver's ed range. And, you know, the, I, like the PE coaches, that's where they go to retire. Yeah, <laughs> they're no longer teaching PE; they teach driver's ed. So you usually have sixty and seventy year old PE coaches teaching you driver's ed courses. I don't think they were. They would like in South Florida. We had like I had like two thousand something kids in my graduating class. Like it was a big school, so I don't think that they could afford the cars to like educate us all on driver's ed. 
I think that might be it. I do remember I asking the guy if he could at least bring white papers instead of yellow papers next time, so they were at least like he's actually smoking a cigarette, which was actually allowed at the time. <laughs> yellow papers, I've never heard of. Yeah, like you said a uh, Chevy Malibu. It's funny because uh, I took driver's ed in 1998, and we were still driving Chevy Malibus. It was the Swinger edition, which was actually came out in 68, and they kept running it until 71. But yeah, that was kind of interesting. <laughs> oh, the past. I think it had flower decals on the side of the car. I, You know, sometimes I wish I grew up in the 70s. I think that's like a good way, like good time to be a pothead. You know, like marijuana isn't as complicated as it is now. You know, it, it was definitely a different situation. I think the very first ounce that I bought was Mexican, and that's what they called it, Mexican. Mm -hmm. That was that was the, that was the strain, and uh, it came in a bag for sixteen dollars for the ounce. You ever you ever buy like Tide Stick? Tide Stick, yes. Yeah. Only it was actually Tide Stick, but yes. Tie Tie. Well, I thought it was tied it on was, a stick. That was I thought it was yellow, a past tense. And it was on, on a little bamboo skewer. Uh -huh. And and you just slide slide it off into the pipe, which was kind of cool. Slide it off into the pipe. Yeah. How does that work? Like it's pull like, it off. It was it was it was sticky and it was stuck on a on a, on a stick. Like a can of gar almost, but not inside the gar. No, more like a, a shish kebab. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we we take a chunk out, you know, and just, just stick it right on there. But we we had a very limited uh, regimen. Of course, we had what, what was called Mexican, which was basically all the brown stuff. It was everybody else calls it called it brickweed and things of that sort. Yeah. Then you had your your tie stick, and you had your Panama red and your Acapulco gold. Mm. And, and that was that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. That was pretty much now it. Those, those were our land races, our, our ancestors, as it were, prior to the hybrid. Yeah. yeah. Did you have a lot of seeds in them? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we we figured that they had created double albums just for the purpose of opening it up, dumping the stuff in there, and being able to use it to crush it open, get the stems and, stems and seeds out, and, and then use your credit card if you had one or your, your student ID, and then just keep on sliding it until all the seeds and stems slide, slide down to the inside of the crease of the double album, and then you finally had uh, some decent stuff to put into uh, whatever you wanted, be it either a, a, a water pipe or a regular pipe or, or papers. And we all learn how to roll in various ways, including how you roll it with a $1 bill, which was always kind of fun. We should do a show one, one week where it's just you and Joe Red or telling old stories about smoking weed. Absolutely. I think that would be. But can you imagine cool. a $16 ounce? Damn. I mean, actually, my tuition at the time was $16, a credit hour, too. So that's is how long ago that actually was. You know, Gary, it's funny you say that. Now that I think about it, what a tuition is per credit hour now is about what an ounce of bud costs now. So I sense a conspiracy. Tuition and price <laughs> of an ounce are, are connected in many ways. <laughs> That's that that is how we're going to make sure that every American has education. What we need to do is stop focusing on reducing the price of our education, but of weed. And then more people would be able to afford education <laughs> even if the price of education doesn't go down now what would happen if somebody said you know this course costs four ounces then i'd probably <laughs> smoke it all before i got to class <laughs> if someone said you're caught hey this course is going to cost you four ounces your choice how you choose to pay the tuition <laughs> 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 could you imagine just registrars having just bricks 
dumped in front of them. Hey, I'm here to pay my financial aid. Be like, what, what's four ounces in dabs? And, and one other thing that we had then that uh, shows how long ago it's been, we had one closet in the fraternity house that we put foil all along the inside of the closet, all around the top, so we could use it as a, as a grow closet. And we had a fluorescent light on top, which we actually may have been you know, from the local uh, Spencer's <laughs> with, with the black lights and all that kind of stuff. And we had our own closets just so we could grow our absolutely crappy weed that we got out of the seeds that we automatically came free with the ounce. <laughs> That's actually kind of a benefit, isn't it? I mean, you actually used to get seeds with your ounce so you could actually grow them if you want to afterwards, just like, you know, buying an avocado and just taking the, the pit out and trying to grow that. <laughs> it's kind of a nice little bonus. It's like, it's like having a prize in your package, you know? Yeah, you know, I, a lot of people get upset when they see seeds, but uh, true stoners know that that's, that's gold. Interesting story. Okay, you, you, you've all heard, well, many people have heard of the, uh, the legendary strain here in Florida, Mayaka Gold. Mm-hmm. And, and Donnie, the gentleman who was the farmer for that, was one of the very first people out there who was actually packaging his stuff with no seeds and no stems and vacuum sealing the bags and putting it into cold storage. And that's why even after he was caught and the whole storage got, the whole farm got taken down, Mayaka Gold was sold in Florida for many years afterwards because he had already created a mass of it. But the reason he took the seeds out was not necessarily to make a pure project product, but to make certain no one would steal his genetics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. Even like you know nowadays with like Charlotte's Web and stuff like that, like they're pretty particular about their genetics. Like I don't, I I don't know how. Like right now we have a strain in Chillum called Charlotte's Angel, and supposedly it's supposed to be like crossed with those genetics. But I don't know how they got them. Like apparently, like they're they're. Uh, I heard rumors that they're like like trademarked and everything. I don't know how you trademark a hemp strain, but I don't know. I'm confused about it. The families have definitely uh, been protective of their brand. Uh, uh-huh. They have Charlotte's Web as a brand now for their uh, their pet product line too. I remember seeing uh-huh. uh, a couple years back in Fort Lauderdale, uh, Gary. Remember we were at that that convention down there. Uh huh. So uh-huh. Kano, you haven't told us about the first time you smoked. Oh man, first time that I smoked. So I uh, thinking back, I was in college. Bloomer, uh-huh. if you will. It was uh 21, so this would have been 2004. And uh I was with some buddies um who had already graduated but they still lived in the uh in the apartments there uh right off of campus. And um they were smoking. And then they were going to uh, to the plugs house to 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 re up to you know to you know it's going to be a long weekend that you know they were on their last blunt and I'll never forget they 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 both of them got out of the front seat I was in the back of this SUV and they they passed me the blunt they're like here hold this it was because it, it was still burning and so I'm there sitting there by myself in the back of an SUV with a blunt in my hand and it's it's just looking at it and I'm having to stare down with it because. I had been a, a member of Truth, part of that anti-tobacco campaign. I had always been a just say no type of kid. You know, I remember the Ninja Turtles, you know, cornering the kid. It's okay, Billy. You don't have to smoke weed. You know? <laughs> and just thinking about the fact of how ironic that was that Michelangelo, who always had the munchies, was <laughs> telling people, you know, he sounds like a stoner. No, bro, don't smoke weed. 
<laughs> I'm having to stare down like, oh, my, my, my nemesis, here we are. What, what is this all about? And I said, you know what? Screw it. Let me take a hit, see what this is about. Let me see what the hype is about. And after my fourth hit, I got the giggles, uncontrollable giggles. And I remember, I remember, you know, my buddies getting back in the car and they're like, the hell is wrong with you? And I'm just sitting there laughing to myself, just laughing uncontrollably. And I passed it back to him. It was off because I've been holding it, laughing it so hard. And they're like, oh, shit, Kano's high. Oh, my God, <laughs> what is going on with the world? And at that point, it was, uh, yeah, it was that was my first experience smoking. And it's I, funny. That's I, I thought, you know, historically, that cannabis was starting to make a comeback back in 1957 because that's when the Smurfs first came out. I figured that must have been you know, a definite sign right there that, that some people in the industry had started using it again. And it was essentially about the time that things started to come back more. Before that, it was still being used on a medicinal basis. On a, but as far as a uh, an, an inebrial basis, I think that may have been a big push. I think the Smurfs have like a closer relationship with mushrooms than they do to marijuana. Like they, they do tend to be hanging out around mushrooms, like they're protecting them a lot. What's, yeah, what's like they they're living in the in mushroom houses, and Gargamel is always trying to eat their mushrooms. Wow. Is that what they're trying to? Is that what he's? The Smurf berries. They want their the Smurf berries. Yeah. All right. But so they live in mushrooms, thing. right? They like, live in mushrooms. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> so they live in mushrooms and they eat smurf berries. They they're probably high. <laughs> now, getting back getting back to uh, some some reality here. We do know that in 1970 we had the Controlled Substance Act that made it uh <clears throat> a substance uh schedule 1 substance which had no medicinal value and so therefore the illegality had made a giant leap even before then we even started talking about adding RICO laws and things of that sort, so the penalties were, were much, much greater. So it makes you wonder how how things were starting to break up in the 1970s and 1980s and how this continued on. I can tell you that uh, I mentioned that I started you know, smoking back in the 70s, but it came to an abrupt end in the 80s because both the Ford and the Jimmy Carter administration were uh, spraying Paraquat, which was a defoliant onto domestic crops that they were able to find. Rather than just pulling them out of the ground, they were, they were spraying them with this defoliant called the paraquat figuring this will stop kids from me from smoking this stuff of course we had no idea what cannabis had the paraquat on it and what didn't mm -hmm. have paraquat on it and so therefore it was very tough for us to figure out what to do and crazily enough in this in the uh, student newspaper at michigan state university there was a uh, ad from the u.s government saying do you think that your marijuana has paraquat on it Send us a sample of your stash in a, <laughs> along with a stamped self-addressed envelope, and we will send you the results back on a confidential basis in a matter of a few weeks. Now, of course, our trust in the U.S. government wasn't good enough for us, to, for many people to say, yeah, sure, I'll give you some of my stash along with my address, my phone number, my social security <laughs> number, and everything you need to know so you can get back to me to, so I can know if the paraquat was on there. So the only way to really find out whether the paraquat was on it is if you smoked it, and if, like my friends in the 1979 hash bash, started coughing up blood that night, which oh, is exactly shit. what happened. Whoa. That's that's what happens when you smoke paraquat. And you cough for up those blood. of you who who have not who don't know me that well, I carry this around me at all times. Nice little albuterol inhaler because I develop chronic bronchitis, which makes me vulnerable to the uh, to our current little bug that's out there. Uh, because of the fact that Paraquat was out there, and they were the U.S. government was actually sued. Even Morgan and Morgan actually actually had a a, a lawsuit where someone was harmed by Paraquat. 
Wow. The, and that's what happens? You like cough up blood? Yeah. In fact, I was so upset with the Jimmy Carter administration that I actually joined the Young Republicans. Uh, that's kind of weird to think about. Yeah, that's, that's, that's ancient history. But that's, you know, I prefer to be able to look at both sides of the aisle and be able to understand exactly where their mindset is at. I mean, we had the same situation this week when the text from the SAFE Act, which would allow banking in the cannabis industry, was taken out of the last um, stimulus bill for the coronavirus. And they actually put it back, they put that text back in to the current bill that is currently in the, in the House right now and trying to move it forward. So far, the Senate has been pushing back again. But it was interesting that even after they were told to take it out, they put that back in, maybe because it would make a major difference in this country in regards to the tax base, in regards to the access to, to medicine, things of that sort, for the SAFE Act to come through. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Because you're out there in D.C. right now. What, what, what you heard on the buzz on that, Chris? Well, this is the third time that the SAFE Act has been you know, pushed through to major legislation. And like you said, Gary, the fact that it was taken out, now it's put back in, um, it, it just shows that there is definitely a desire to want to have uh, you know, safe cannabis, you know, regulations. Now, some people might be asking, well, why is this coming into a Corona relief package bill? And, you know, the fact is, is that, that that's how legislation works in many cases. Um, you know, if, if there's a certain amount of time to get bills passed, and if your bill doesn't get through committee and, and, and heard through that, it'll oftentimes get stacked on as an amendment to other legislation. And so, when people ask uh, about, you know, why didn't this bill pass for this reason or why didn't that bill pass for that reason? You know, sometimes there is amendments tacked on that that are really good bills and sometimes they're really bad bills. If, if I recall in Florida a few years back, there was a bill to make uh, medical marijuana cards for veterans free. But then they were trying to put an amendment that would ban smoking onto that actual bill. And so, you know, now you're sitting there as a legislature. Do I vote against the veterans and, or do, you know, or do I vote for this bill, but at the same time will hurt so many other patients? So, um, you know, all in all, the coronavirus relief is a bill that I firmly believe needs to get passed. There are tons of uh, state and local governments that are struggling right now um, that, 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 that would provide relief. There are a lot of frontline workers that could use the help. Um, and so all in all, you know, coronavirus relief makes sense and to attach, you know, the Save Banking Act to it uh, would do a lot to move things forward where we're not just not seeing it move on its own. So uh, that's my two cents on the whole thing. Well, hopefully the the uh, SAFE Act will stay in there and hopefully it'll pass because we do need more coronavirus relief. And I think in, in a lot of instances, we've lost so much tax revenue from the people being unable to spend their money, that uh, being able to get some kind of stimulus going where we, we get more tax revenue in, even through the cannabis industry, I think would be a, a great benefit to the country and as well as to the people out there. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's going to save the world. Now, they may have sacrificed the MORE Act because uh, they decided not to do a vote on it, at least not this session. So what that means, guys, is that we are only what, three months away from finally getting the hell out of 2020, which has got to be one of the worst records, one of the worst years, I think, since, what, 2016, where all the, everybody started dying. Was it, was that Bowie who died in, in 2016 and beyond there? One of those bad years, but 2020 has been an absolute terrible, terrible year, uh, politically and everything else. And we have an election coming up, and elections have consequences. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about the presidency because that's just one election out of many. We have all the state elections out there too. And you need to check into who you're voting for. And you, it doesn't make any difference whether you're voting Republican or Democrat. Find out who you're voting for and what they're all about. Don't vote for the party. Don't vote for the person. Vote for what they believe in. And if, if they will actually stand up for what you feel about. I think that is so, so important. Mm-hmm. I know that when I get to the to the polls, uh, my ballot is not going to be checking up all the D's or all the R's or anything that sort, but looking at each individual person and actually voting for the nonpartisan races as well. I actually check out on judges and find out what the record is to see what, where their strengths are and where their weaknesses are and things of that sort. Know your candidates. Back in Pasco County where I am, I just got a card in the mail saying, check, uh, uh, vote for these five people. And I looked at them and I said, I only recognize one name here. I know absolutely nothing about these five people because the party has not done any kind of campaigning whatsoever. Well, what's the best way to get informed, Gary? Uh, I would check out the listing from the League of Women Voters, which often has a great um, demonstration of, of who the people are. And sometimes if they fill out the survey like they had for uh, for, uh, for our industry, for, for normal uh, from the last election, you'll get some information on these candidates. So make certain that you are voting for the candidates' beliefs, not just... Well- I, I think when, when people normally go to, you know, figure out who they're going to vote for, first off, like they kind of look at like the whole entertainment aspects of politics. But regardless of that, <laughs> if they're doing a little bit more of a serious job, maybe not enough, but uh, they, they look at organizations that they believe in and they see who that they, they actually endorse. And like we did a little thing where we endorsed a few candidates during the primaries and whatnot, but um, you know uh, who who should who's uh, you're saying that League of Women Voters is like probably the uh, the best people to go to. They have a, a they consistently put out a good list that even discusses all the nonpartisan uh, judges and things of that sort, so you can find out who these uh-huh. people are. Again, provided they actually fill out the survey and turn it in. Is there anybody, because I, I mean, I, Kano does most of that that endorsing stuff, so, uh, and, and he'll tell you it's probably pretty difficult to do to get everything organized and put together and up on, on the internet. It is. Um, so uh, uh, who else would do that? Who else does it? What, uh, what other organizations are out there? There's, a, you know, Sierra Club, some of the uh-huh. groups. Mm-hmm. You got to think about what aligns with your values. And like you said, Carlos, find those organizations that align with your values and and see what candidates that they're supporting, that they're endorsing. I mean, oftentimes um, you'll see, you know, uh, other groups like uh, LULAC or the NAACP also reaching out and endorsing candidates as well. So, you know, if you're interested in civil rights, take a look at what civil rights organizations are are endorsing. Um, You know, the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, they'll oftentimes put out endorsements. you know, it, it, as far as uh, us, we're we're sending out uh, the the second round of endorsements or our, our, our packets are going out to candidates, and as we get them in, uh, we'll definitely be uh, taking a look at that as a board and uh, and putting out those endorsements, which we should have ready uh, by the time in person early voting comes out in a couple of weeks. So we're pretty excited to uh, be able to release another round of endorsements. We did have some endorsements that we did in the primary, and uh, two out of the three candidates that we endorsed in the primary actually won their primaries. And one of them uh, mm-hmm. won a uh, universal primary. So they're already a uh, state representative. Uh, shout out nice. Michelle uh, uh, Rainer Goolsby uh, for her election uh, over in Pinellas County uh, as a state representative and supportive of, uh, of pay, uh, medical marijuana patients and, and for us moving forward uh, in legalizing it. 
And of course, just like you can't win the lottery. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Coffee time. Excuse me. Like you scary. cannot I'm win sorry. the lottery without buying a ticket. You cannot vote without registering. And that registration deadline is coming up very quickly. Isn't that correct, Chris? Tomorrow is the last day to register to vote. So if you need to get registered, you haven't. I mean, there are people out on the streets uh, registering voters in various organizations. But, you know, all in all, go directly to the source if you have any questions. You can go downtown, the county center. You can go up to the supervisor of elections office. You can walk right in. There's voter registration forms there. Fill one out. Leave it with the lady at the front desk and make sure that you are registered to vote in this historic and important election. Now that's October the 5th. So if you're listening to the podcast on October 6th, you're SOL. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Basically, if you're listening to the audio form of this podcast, like if you're watching us live, then you have time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lucky, lucky person. On the, on the uh, audio release on uh, SoundCloud and all the other different platforms, get your butt before five o'clock to the SOE's office and get registered. <laughs> So, and, and you can find out what they are on the internet very easily. I kind of want to. I kind of want to take a moment because, like, we we did the serious stuff that we were going to talk about, and we, you know, we had fun telling people about the first time we smoked. I think a more interesting story is the first time you dabbed. <laughs> <laughs> so those are some interesting stories. So let's let's go ahead. Let's take a moment before uh, the closeout of the show to share real quick with people the first time we dabbed. And I'll go first. All right, Carlos. All right. And it's only because I went first with the whole weeping. Um, so the first time I dabbed was actually in the Oaksterdam Student Lounge. Uh, there was like, uh, you know, I'm sitting there at Oaksterdam. For people who don't know, Oaksterdam's like a marijuana school that's out on the West Coast. And uh, they had a student lounge, basically medical marijuana patients that were students there, which I was at the time, uh, could go there and smoke their marijuana and kind of hang out and play pool and do fun stuff and relax. So I'm sitting there at a table and I'm like rolling up a joint and I'm just sitting there by myself, you know, rolling up a joint before like I had to go back to class or whatever and there's like this like really was that on your schedule that you write down uh, yeah we had a whole schedule okay. I, I was on break from class Gary <laughs> so uh I was sitting there at the table and there was like this little like uh this like white kid with dreadlocks that like really skinny white kid with dreadlocks and he's sitting there with like a, a dab rig and he's heating up the nail with his blowtorch and like I have no idea what's going on I'm trying not to judge. I'm in like a marijuana place, so I'm assuming it's with marijuana. So the blowtorch isn't really scaring me that much. And he's showing me all these things and he gives me a little dab. It's a small one. It's not that big. He knew it was my first time. He didn't want to freak me out. But the second time I did a dab, it was fucking horrible. The guy was <laughs> trying to really like, yeah, he was trying to lay me out. I remember my legs started twitching. And like, as soon as I did the dab, I like got through coughing and he was like, okay, guys, me and my girlfriend are going to go to bed. So you guys got to go. So my legs are twitching and I'm finding out my legs are twitching because, because of the dab while I'm driving. <laughs> so I ended up having to pull over for a couple of hours and, and be responsible. But <laughs> yeah, I, 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 just as the own personal preference, I, I generally say, you know, I, I am not a big fan of anybody who, who's driving, who's disoriented in any way, shape, or form. Uh -huh. I, mean, I, I had a roommate who used to uh, smoke a bong while driving by 
steering with his knees against the uh, against the steering wheel while holding the bong, which I thought was very dexterous. But thinking back around on that, it wasn't necessarily the safest way to go. You know, I've got my opinions about smoking and driving. I think actually smoking would make you a safer driver, but not if you're doing it out of a water pipe. I happen to know somebody who normally used to drive far too fast, was getting into a lot of car accidents. And since she actually imbibes when she's, while she's driving, or before she drives anyway, for some odd reason, she's driving much slower, much safer. And uh, for her anyway, it, it seems, seems, seems to work better. What's the, what's the old joke that is like she's waiting for the stop t- sign to turn green? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what's the first time you dab, Gary? Ah, goodness gracious. Uh, actually, it wasn't too long ago because I didn't have concentrates when I was growing up. Uh-huh. And I, I had stopped using for many, many years because of the paraquat and just getting back into things maybe about 10 years ago, but still didn't get involved in any concentrates. But I was invited to uh, still be on a show thing. with this guy by the name of Robbie Fromola, your boy Robbie Blaze, uh-huh. uh, and invited me to be on his show. And he asked me if I wanted to do a dab during the show, and I said, no, thank you. I'd like to be able to be you know, cognizant of what you're actually doing. But after it was all over, he said, I'll give you a very small one. I said, all right, fine. And then I did it. I said, thank you very much. I got in my car, and all of a sudden, everything in the dashboard went white. Of the windshield went white, and I sat there on the, in his driveway for the next two hours, <laughs> <laughs> in, enjoying my time but not wanting to actually drive at all. So that was that was my first introduction to that situation. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. Every once in a while he comes into town. He's a nice guy. Look up uh, your boy, Robbie Blaze, in his Wax Wednesdays show podcast. Uh, okay, Kato, what's your first dab like? So I actually had two first dab stories that, that uh, I would like to share. One is the very first time I ever uh, engaged or learned about concentrates and oils and, and took a dab. It was uh, my last year of my master's program in, in college, in what, 2013. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, uh, hanging out with a buddy and he was like, yeah, I'm going over to a friend's house. Why don't you join me over there? We can meet up and smoke one. I was like, okay, cool. And go over there and they're like, hey, man, you ever done a dab? And I was like, what's a dab? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, oil. I was like, uh, no, I haven't. Please tell me more. He's like, oh, I got some MK Ultra here. And I'm like, MK Ultra, isn't that like a U.S. government, like, you know, mind reading program or or isn't that the stuff where they, you know, they, they uh, connected with the aliens or something? He was like, no, man, it's, it's cannabis oil. I was like, all right, let me see what's up. And I, I remember taking the dab and I remember telling a, a 15 minute story and then looking up at the clock. Turns out I had been telling this story for three hours. <laughs> Did you get to the end of it? So, yeah, I did get to the end of it, but just the fact that it was like, oh, yeah, that was all the 15 minutes, and then to actually look at the clock, and I've been telling this story for three hours, and the fact that everyone else in the room was still engaged, that was that was probably the magic behind that moment. Well, I always say for a lot of people that if you get if you got a decent buzz on, grab yourself a piece of a pad and paper because you come up with these thoughts and ideas that may disappear afterwards, but are absolutely amazing during that time, or you think they're amazing, and then once you look at it later on, you say, "What the hell was I thinking?" But <laughs> but, but I'll always you know write these things down because sometimes you actually connect with those parts of the brain that are so logical that you those things seem illogical when you're straight. So <laughs> by all means, go ahead and, and check those kind of things out. And just as a bit of a legal thing here, it is not legal 
to utilize cannabis in the state of Florida in your car, even though it does say you can use it in private property, rolling private property like your car is not considered real estate. And so therefore, you are not actually allowed to go ahead and vibe in your car. You can in your home. And in essence, the way the, the law is written, practically the only place you can actually go is in your home, provided if you rent, your landlord agrees to that. And that said, we do need safer venues for people to be able to imbibe. Now, the good folks over at Swamp City over in Gainesville have a, have a much different atmosphere out there. And then they have a fantastic place to go ahead and utilize all the CBD products, including putting CBD in kombucha, which you also have here over at, uh, at, at this shop as well. And it's, it's a nice place to be able to go to and, and meet up with friends and, and, and consider it a safe space. And we are, I have my Planet 13 here. here. This is, this is a... a dispensary out there in Vegas who believe that there should be an entertainment complex associated with it. Of course, it is Vegas, mm. but they actually have a, a pizza place. They have an entire mall yeah. attached to it. And because you're in the dispensary and uh, they are planning on putting in a, a consumption area in, in Vegas, and uh, you will see other consumption lounges coming up as we move forward because I think it is the safe place, giving people a safe place to go and a safe place to come home from. I think is is very very important as we move it, forward. It's hard to set up though. That's like I think uh, it is very hard. Yeah, I well, think uh, well, the first that, Carlos, you're there in Ebor City. Uh, yeah. what, what consumption lounge you know look like to you there? What, what do you think that would have as an effect on the businesses there? Um, I think right. Uh, well, you got to look at a business from like a financial standpoint, and I mean uh, a setup where like a membership. You know, you you set up as a member and you can come here and use the facility. I think it could work, but I think the demographics are a little too small right now. Um, you got to think not only like there, there's few medical marijuana patients in Florida, but that that size grows quite smaller when uh, when you when you think of just like a simple area like Tampa. And then, um, yeah, I think it, it would be difficult to to get something off like that off the ground financially, uh, because I have I've I've got a business here in, in Ebor City, and I have an, I have enough problems marketing it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I mean, and marketing it to just medical marijuana patients could be a little bit difficult. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you think about um, uh, if you ever been out in Colorado back in the days, the Lazy Lion was one of those places where yeah. you, know, you paid five bucks, you had a membership, um, but then there was also a dispensary there too. So like there were the rooms where you could smoke, but then mm. there were places where you know they they had a dab bar, you know, with multiple dab rigs set up. They they you know they had a flower room, and so without adult use, I think you're right. These consumption lounges would be far more difficult in the state of Florida. And I think Florida's medical marijuana laws too would make it a little difficult. I think uh, a, a part of the the consumption lounge aspect is that it's a sociable atmosphere, and uh, for a consumption lounge to actually make it in Florida, you have to tell patients that they can't share, and you have to be strict about it. No, oh, yeah, yeah, you have so. to be straight with your with your customers and say, you know, what is legal, what is not legal, that kind of situation. But I do think that there are enough people who feel that the only place they can go is at their home or, or, or home of a friend in that kind of situation, mm. where there are a lot of people who are closeted, so to speak, in the green closet, who would be more than happy to be able to go to a consumption lounge. I mean, I work with a group of people who are actually working in the very first franchise 
of consumption lounges around the country. And we, we hope to have one in, in Illinois and in Nevada and also here in Florida there, as well. There's got to be a way. I know like you're not allowed to do it in public, but like maybe like outdoor areas, like there's got to be a way that like, say my backyard area. Well, Canada is very interesting in regards to, to that. Canadian law actually has the, uh, the cannabis laws linked to the tobacco laws. So therefore, any place you can smoke tobacco, you can smoke cannabis, which means outside on the streets, you can walk down the street and, and, and smoke a pre-roll. And of course, if you have, you have a patio attached to a, a restaurant, whatever, outside, but not inside, you can go ahead and vibe as well. But of course, Toronto during the winter, when it tends to be like about 10 below, uh, it might not be the best place to go. <laughs> if you don't mind the cold kind of situation. Okay, guys, we're at like the 43 minute mark. <laughs> oh, Carlos, I didn't get to tell my second uh, story about the first time taking it down. All right, cool. Let's uh, tell the story and then uh, we'll close out the show. So I, you know, I, I, I say that I have two stories about the first time I took it down because I actually had to, um, due to the arrest I got for getting my dad his medicine, oh. <laughs> uh, rehab so i was sober for 10 months uh from pretty much you know 2014 uh, up until 2015 and and for those of you on the board you knew how irritable i was during those 10 months as well amazingly so, irritable <laughs> yeah and i i never forget that the, the day i i i was clean and, and, and free and, and you know granted my freedom uh <laughs> going over to carlo's house to celebrate and this guy gives me uh, the first uh, it, it, anything. I hadn't smoked a joint. I hadn't done anything. He gives me a dab after being sober for 10 months straight. Oh, smart move. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing, Gary. I went home that night, got to the front door, and realized I left my keys at Carlos' house. So I drove back to Carlos's house. And it was like, hey, Carlos, man, I forgot my keys. <laughs> and Carlos goes, well, then how did you drive home? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. How did I? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was that was definitely it's still a mystery to me to this day. So uh, all right, guys. That would be our show today. You can f listen to this podcast at suncoastnormal.org, but you can find us both on SoundCloud and very, very soon iTunes. Actually, this week we'll be up on iTunes. Um, follow us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Oh, at Suncoast Normal. I keep wanting to say the website after that. At Suncoast Normal. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. Um, well, well, we'll be on Twitter. And we're on Facebook. And a special part of our website is that little button that allows you to go ahead and be a member of Suncoast Normal because we are going to be doing big things in regards to moving forward, especially after the election, when we know who's going to be in office <clears throat> to work these bills that will make things better for you, including things moving towards uh, a, more, a more legal atmosphere in regards to for the patients and for the uh, <clears throat> and for the employees and talk about tourist reciprocity with people who come into Florida can utilize it. And of course I have a home grow bill and we'll discuss that next session, but uh, next rotation rather. And what do you get for joining Suncoast Normal? You don't just support all those things, but you also get a gold leaf pen, pin, you get access to cool events and you get a free membership to National Normal. Absolutely. How could you lose? And we are going to be doing some amazing thing. If you want to be part of the change, if you want to be part of the things that move forward, 
<laughs> we had a fun room looking backwards right now, but it shows us how far we've gone. But we still have a lot to go. So please join us in this fight, and we will make things happen. Cool. Bye-bye, everybody. Later, Kana. See you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member, because that is how you become part of the change. You can find The Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. But you can always join us in the rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website again is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary. And good night. Good night.